I had considered maybe because we were such a small group today uh, of just maybe holding off of what I have, but no, we need to get this out, this vision out, and if I need to repeat some of it next week, I definitely will. It's, a, it's a, worth a double portion. Hallelujah. Our 2019 fasting vision, I'm going to lay it before you today. January 1st falls on a Tuesday this year, and we're going to begin to seek the Lord again as a body. And I want to share with you the vision that the Lord is giving us. I've met with some of the members of our body. I've talked with our leadership. And um, we are moving into this this morning, uh, and particularly beginning January 1st in one accord. And so I'm excited. You can see our new kind of focus slide. Come, or, come closer to me. Hallelujah. 21 days of fasting and prayer, January 1st through the 21st. Um, Matthew chapter 6, and verse 16 through 18 is familiar. And I'd like to read it to you. Notice how it begins as Jesus speaks to us about fasting. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And some translations say will reward you openly. Amen. God isn't saying if you fast. He's saying when you fast. God expects us to fast. Why? Because he plans to reward our fasting. Listen to what it says. God who sees in secret will reward you openly. So notice the Lord has already put it out there that when you fast and you do so and engage with me, the Lord says, be ready for me to reward you. Hallelujah. Now let me just describe what I believe fasting really is. Uh, there, I, I just want to say to begin with, I thank God that fasting is becoming fashionable again in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. For the past couple of years, everywhere we turn, churches and people are talking about fasting. Why? Because the Lord's drawing his people to himself. And you can't begin to seek God without coming to the place where you begin to be confronted with fasting. Listen, in a simple analogy, this is what fasting really is to our life. Fasting is spiritual realignment. You know how if you ever have to take your car in to have the front end aligned, all of the steering of your car is in the front end. That determines the direction that your car goes. No matter how much power your car has or how beautiful the interior is or all the bells and whistles, the fact is, is if it doesn't go where it's supposed to go, if you have to fight with it every time you go on the road, um, then it's a frustration. Whether it's a clunker or a Mercedes really doesn't matter. So every car needs that front-end alignment. And fasting is basically spiritual realignment. Through the bumps and the accidents that happen in our life, we get knocked out of alignment. Just like when you hit a big pothole or go into a ditch. If you've got any experience with cars, when you come out of it, you probably are going to say to yourself, well, I better get this in 
to the mechanic to look at it, I probably just knocked it out of alignment. And so when we go through bumps in life, things happen to us, we jump back up, we think, praise God, I'm a Christian. But you don't notice sometimes one, two, three of those over a period of time and you're knocked out of alignment. And you can tell that you're out of alignment when there's a bend towards temptation, compromise, and sin. And it sets in constantly pulling you off course. You seem to be struggling in your walk in your life with those constant pulls to the left or right. And um, it's a stress to stay on the road. When you're in proper alignment, it's easy. You could just put one finger on the wheel. I don't recommend it, but um, you can put one little finger on the wheel and just easily the car goes. But when you're out of alignment, you've got both hands just keeping it from going off the road. It's stressful. And then finally, when your front end's out of alignment, your parts wear out. Where's your tires out? Where's all kinds of the steering mechanisms out? And so that's what happens to us spiritually. Fasting, just like the mechanic puts your car up on the lift, fasting is when Jesus puts us up on his lift and gets underneath and he performs a realignment in your life. Can you say amen? And then once that realignment's taken place after a period of fasting and seeking the Lord and you're ready to get back on the road, the Lord sends you back out on your way, hallelujah, and you just feel like, oh, I wish I could stay like this forever. It feels great. I love it when I pick up my vehicle and I've had a new set of tires put on and they've performed an alignment. It's like a different vehicle. It just drives so nicely. So we, we want to turn aside for spiritual realignment and the Lord can put us back on the road. Can you say amen? Now, when we, um, when we go into this fast, God has put a focus before us. And there's three simple elements to this focus. The first point is closeness with God. And I think this is the biggest theme. The Lord's been speaking to us about drawing near to Him. If you've been listening to the words that God's been saying to us as a body this past year, particularly the past several months, they're all come to me, pursue me, seek after me. God's calling for us to be closer. In my notes, I put down number one, not just closeness, I wrote down actual closeness, and as opposed to sentimental closeness. Oftentimes, we think we're close to people because we have sentiment, favorable sentiment in our heart towards that person. But actual closeness is what our relationship's like. It's really easy in life to feel close to somebody who barely knows you. And they wouldn't necessarily say that you guys were close, but you feel close to them. People do it all the time when they identify with characters in movies or on TV shows that they like to watch. They have no idea who you are, but you feel like they're your best friend, you know, and you're their best friend. So when, when we talk about closeness with God, we're not talking about the imaginary relationship that you have with Jesus in your emotions, in your own mind. We're talking about your real, actual walk. Would the Lord say you're close? Do you and he spend time together? Your actual closeness is something that God is putting us up on the lift and wanting to perform that realignment. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 15, Jesus was talking about fasting because the Pharisees noticed that his disciples weren't fasting. 
And so John's disciples fasted and the Pharisees' disciples fasted, but Jesus' disciples weren't fasting. They were just running around with Jesus and, and, and eating takeout and stopping at the, uh, at the uh, buffet and having a great big old time every day. And the Pharisees just noticed that they're always eating. And they accused Jesus of being a glutton and a wine-bibber, and, and why don't you make your disciples fast? And so Jesus replies in Matthew 9, 15, and he says, Can the wedding guests mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the friends of the bridegroom, like John the Baptist. And Jesus was saying, as long as we are physically together, there's no need to fast. Because fasting is for separation. Fasting is when we're physically apart from each other. Now, fasting is not mourning that we're apart. Fasting is reconnecting in the spirit so that our relationship can become a physical reality in our life. So here's what fasting is. It's reconnecting spiritually with Jesus in his physical absence to gain his manifest presence. When he was with them, they bring blind people. He'd say, be healed. But he said, when I'm not physically with you, the period of time that we're in as believers, the Lord said, those days they will fast. Why will we fast? Because Jesus still wants to heal. He still wants to deliver. We need his physical presence with us. Jesus said, when I'm no longer with you, in those days you'll fast. Why? Because that's where the reconnection takes place. If you want to know how to get God to move like he did when he and the disciples walked together, notice that Jesus laid out the formula in this verse. In those days when I'm not physically with them, they will fast. And the implication is, it brings my physical presence. Now, did you know that when you are fasting, you talk about reconnecting or you talk about closeness with God. Did you know that when you're fasting, you are joining Jesus in his fast? When we go into our 21-day fast, instead of thinking of it as, well, I've got things in my life that need to be worked out. I need a front-end alignment. And you're focused on yourself. I want you to think this. Jesus is seated on the throne of the Most High, and he is fasting for you. When you fast, you're joining him in his fast. You think, what do you mean Jesus is fast? Where, show me that. I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 and 29. At the Last Supper, when he institutes the, the new covenant and the communion, he says, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, now listen carefully, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. So he says, when we are physically back together again, when does that happen? The marriage supper of the Lamb. When we are reunited physically, when we're not having to pray in faith, we can reach out and touch him. Hallelujah. And not just spiritually, but actually. Glory to God. So he says, until the day we are reunified physically together, I will be fasting from this cup that represents the new covenant. 
Why would Jesus fast? For the same reason that he said to the disciples, when I'm taken away in those days, they will fast. For the very same reason he fasts. You know, my wife and I are in love with each other. Our relationship isn't based on one of us chasing the other one around year after year. We pursue each other. And so the Lord is not sitting on his throne saying, I've arrived, you come up and, and you try to fast and connect with me and you be with me and you identify with me. That's not what the Lord's saying. He's leaning in. He's reaching. He is fasting for the very same reason that we are, to have us connect with him. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, until that day when we are reunited physically, I will be fasting the fruit of the vine, this cup, until we are together in the kingdom. So as our great advocate intercessor, for the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us, when we intercede, we fast. Well, he's interceding, ever living to make intercession, he is fasting. Think of the almighty God who has all that he needs, denying himself something that he loves because those whom he loves are still in the world and he wants to be praying for us that we make it through to the end, that we complete our course, that we touch every goal along the way that he has set up for us and victoriously are united with him in glory. Can you say amen? Why is this? Why not only we but also the Lord is fasting over his church? Because we haven't yet arrived. I know there's some people who think, They've arrived. But listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. My aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection. Now, I would think that if anybody could say, I have experienced the power of his resurrection, it would be the Apostle Paul. Yet Paul says, oh, that I may know him and experience the power of his resurrection and share in the sufferings and to be like him, made like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead, not as though I've already attained this, that is, I've not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth through the things that are ahead with this goal in mind. I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul said there, even though we are one, there is a separation between God and us. I have not yet fully attained to the complete and full benefits of the resurrection. So my entire life is one of pursuing what is before me, that goal, that new, total reunification with Jesus. And Jesus is there the whole time, not sitting aloof, hoping that you'll cross the finish line, but reaching out into your life. His fasting connects him with you. When you fast, you and he are fasting together. Hallelujah. And you are working together, bound together, synergistically on you attaining 
what he has put before you. Isn't that awesome? You're not just on your own trying to hammer out your walk with the Lord. You and Jesus are walking this thing together. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if the Lord is fasting, uh, what's Jesus' fast look like? I'm sharing this with you because if you're joining Jesus in his fast, I want you not to think of your fast as what I have to do without. Oh, gosh, I don't get to eat pizza. Oh, gosh, I don't get to eat this. I don't get... You, if you join the Lord in his fast, you won't even be thinking about what it is you're not eating. Hallelujah. Because your fast will be about what his fast is about. And in Isaiah chapter 58, Jesus pulls the curtain back and he reveals what it looks like when he fasts. Isaiah 58, 6 through 12 says, Is not this the fast I choose to loose the bands of wickedness? Undo the straps of the yoke. Let the oppressed go free. Break every yoke to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house. And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then... Jesus goes on to say, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I love that one. Because some of you feel like the devil's just chasing me around all the time. But see, when you're fasting and you're in communion with the Lord, the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. You think, well, you know what? The devil hasn't really been chasing me. Well, why not? He gets a blinding face full of the glory of God every time he tries to sneak up on you. Hallelujah. So the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You shall call, the Lord will answer. You'll cry, the Lord will say, here I am. Your light will arise in darkness. Your gloom will be like the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continuously. He'll satisfy your desire in the dry places. He'll make your bones strong. Anybody need their bones made strong? You will be like a watered garden. Now, we've got a garden in our yard. We've had it watered and we've had it unwatered. Let me tell you, watered is way better. There's a difference. You don't even recognize the two of them. So you will be like a watered garden uh, whose waters do not fail. Your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. And you will raise up the foundation of many generations. God will use you to restore things around you that have been broken down. You will be called a repairer of the breach and a restorer of paths to dwell in. So when Jesus is fasting, what's Jesus doing? He's loosing the bands of wickedness. When, you're, when you begin your 21-day fast, what are you going to be doing? Loosing the bands of wickedness. Undoing the yoke, hallelujah, letting the oppressed go free. And you thought you were just being miserable going without food, hallelujah. You had no idea all that fantastic stuff is available for you to join up with Jesus and do. Every day you ought to get up and say, all right, let's see, I've got to break some yokes today. I may not be breaking egg yolks, but I'm going to be breaking some yolks in the Holy Spirit today, amen. Hallelujah. And share your bread with the hungry. Well, I'm not eating it. Hallelujah. The hungry might as well get it. Glory to God. You see, when Jesus fasts, he is just an endless source of healing, grace, mercy. It pours out of him. 
That is such an opposite picture of what Christians look like when they fast sometimes. Oh, me. I've got a meeting with somebody. We're, we're meeting over at the lunch place. I've got to sit there. I'll just have some warm water. Oh, you must be fasting. How could you tell? You know, it just gets ridiculous sometimes. You see where the head's at. This is, where the, this is why people fast and they don't get anything out of it but thin. You know, this is not a weight loss program. When you fast, expect your light to break forth. Expect healing to break forth. Expect your righteousness to go before you. These are the things that Jesus is doing when he fasts. So let's join Jesus in his fast so that we can attain our goal. Paul said, I press towards the goal. How did Paul press towards the goal? He said, in fastings often. Hallelujah. I joined Jesus in his fast so that I might be close with him. And if I'm close with Jesus, all that stuff about the, the uh, sick being healed and those, those acts of power being manifest begin to come forth in our life. Praise the Lord. The second focus that we experience in our fast that is there's also something we're expecting God to do in our life is the work of deliverance. We know the scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Well, we know what prayer is. What's humbling yourself? Humbling yourself is when we turn aside with fasting and seek the face of the Lord. We say, it's not about me. Fasting is a wonderful way to say, I'm going to divert all my attention, not just spirit and soul, not just sentiment, but my body my whole being, and focus on worshiping Jesus. I'm fasting and joining up with Jesus. Hallelujah. If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal, everyone say, their land. You see, Pinellas County is not the sinner's land. It's our land ours and theirs. We live in a community. We are the representatives of Christ in the towns, in the communities, in the neighborhoods that we live in. We share this world with unsafe people for a reason, because God wants to heal our land. It's got to become our land. Christians have often made a terrible mistake by withdrawing into the church and saying, well, I'm living on holy ground. The world, they're just awful out there. And, uh, you know, the sin everywhere. And they turn over the claim. They turn over the ownership of the world. But, you know, when an intercessor prays, they change the I to we, the mind to ours. They draw that bigger circle and include the unsaved and say, Lord, I come to you as the ambassador of Christ, interceding, not just for me, not just for my little church or my Christian friends, but for the unsaved around me, my land. Heal my land. So many of us have held back. We have been in, unable to have faith for our land because we think, well, it's under the domain of sinners. You know, the Scientologists have got it, you know, or the unbelievers have got it, or the... You know, those awful people, they have got it. Does it matter? It is the land that Jesus put you in to be the salt and the light and to be his ambassador. 
And you need to say, my land, our land, I'm coming before you for deliverance of our land. This is God's relationship with our land. It's the place that he has called and planted you in to serve you as Christ's ambassador because it's the environment that he wants to use to bless you through. You see, the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So we expect the wealth of the wicked to come to the just, but, but we don't want to identify with the wicked in that we share land. We don't want to say our city, bless our city, we want that blessing to come to us, but we don't want to bless our city. So how are, you going to, how are you going to get that blessing when you hold back the salt and you hold back the light? We ought to pray, Father, bless our nation. Bless our city. Bless our state. You know, I know that you turn on the television and you see all the crazies. They're out there trying to claim it. But who's the rightful owner? Who's the rightful Lord? Who ultimately is going to end up with the deed to Clearwater, the deed to Florida, the deed to the United States of America, indeed the deed to the entire world and all of its nations? The Bible says in Revelation that all the nations will be handed over to him and become the property of the Lord, hallelujah, and of his Christ. And so as the ambassadors of Christ, let's claim that land and ask God's blessing and be the light so that from the land, blessing can come to us. God wants to bless us, hallelujah, and bless our land. So whether it's your home, your city, your nation, as you are fasting, God is not going to heal a land for which you will not stand as the ambassador of Christ in that place where he has planted you. So we want to stand for our community. The salt and the light. I know that we've thought about this. We hear it all the time. But think about this one more time. It's when you reveal Jesus by sharing the gospel, sharing his love. That is when you're sharing the light with the unsaved. But what is the salt? Jesus used the analogy of the salt because of its preserving effect. They would take meat in the old days, not having refrigeration, pack them in salt. And guess what? It would slow down and inhibit the rotting of that flesh. And so Jesus said, I want you to be the salt in your town, in your city, in your community, in your neighborhood. And um, even though you notice that the flesh is rotting, you come around it and you pack it in that salt, that intercessory um, uh, prayer of fasting. Fasting is being the salt for your land. Hallelujah. And so let's, let's fast for our body, our family, fast for our neighborhood, our community, our city, for our nation, for its deliverance. Thirdly, our focus is on success. We fast for success. The third thing that we ought to be expecting is that when the Lord calls us to do something, puts a vision before us, it's through fasting that we connect with our success. Now, I'll read you the example out of Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> now, there were at the church in Antioch prophets and teachers. While they were worshiping the Lord with fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work where I have called them to go. Then, after fasting more, 
and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. So notice that the Lord called them, but they fasted after the call so that the Holy Spirit could send them. Fasting brings the sending work of the Holy Spirit into your life. Has God given you a vision? Instead of sitting back and saying, well, the Lord's revealed it. Obviously, God's going to do it. Lord, I'm just fasting that you'll bring it to pass. Consider that you are fasting so that a sending anointing can come upon you to pursue the thing that God wants to bring to pass in your life. Lord, what do you want me to do? Rather than to just sit by and fast and say, Lord, you bring this to pass. If this is a calling on my life, I am fasting so that you can show me, put the open doors before me that I might be sent to fulfill this and succeed at doing it. So that's how it worked in the New Testament. We read throughout several places throughout the epistles where that's exactly what they did. After being called, the believers would fast regularly to connect with God, that closeness with God, and then the Lord in that connection would send them out. Remember, the fast that Jesus chose is constantly being sent out to undo bands of wickedness and take yokes and destroy them and relieve the oppression of the enemy. That's a sending anointing. And uh, we see the testimony of the Apostle Paul throughout his writings. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You see, they were sent. I think we have gotten to the place where we see very few manifestations of God's power because we don't see ourselves as sent anymore. We see ourselves as stationary. We are planted. Well, I go to church, I've got a Bible, and I read my Bible, and I'm believing God, and I'm claiming the promises. Bless God. God's Word says, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I was healed, blah, blah, blah. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 16 that he worked with them as they went. It says they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them. Why was he working with them? They were fasting together. They were fasting together. They were being sent by the Holy Spirit. They weren't just reading the Bible. Hallelujah. They were living it. They were doing it. They were writing it. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. And so we have the calling, but now we need to join up with that sending anointing. The scripture says in James chapter 2, verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. It's alone. And so it's like epoxy. How many of you know what epoxy is? You ever you go to Home Depot, you buy, do you ever notice it comes in two tubes? It's got the gooey part, and then it's got the activator part. Everyone say activator. You can get that gluey, uh, gooey, gooey part and you can put it on the stuff you want to bond together and come back a hundred years from now, it's going to be gooey. No bonding takes place. Faith is the gooey part. It needs an activator so that it'll harden up and join parts together. Fasting is the activator that unites our faith with God's sending anointing. Have faith in God. Believe his word. Know how to quote 1 Peter 
Know how to stand on the promises? Awesome. That's a great beginning. Now let's fast and let's connect with the Holy Spirit and let we're fasting, Jesus is fasting, we come together and the activator, hallelujah. Fasting's not the activator. Fasting is the bringing the activator and our faith together. Now we've got something that'll form a bond. Now signs and wonders can take place. Can you say amen? All right, well, praise the Lord. That's it. That's my message. It's simple. That's my, that's my focus. 